Jackson's just reminded me of something. You know, you're always welcome to come up here and pray. This is, this is your place. Um, it's not mine. It's, uh, it's for the body of Christ. So thanks for the reminder, Jackson. I appreciate that. We started last week a series on um, why we are certain things. Last week we talked about why we're free Methodists and our values that, uh, and, and the elements of free Methodism that we really appreciate and we want to carry forward. Um, and hopefully some of that resonated with you. Uh, I know that different ones of you are here for different reasons. And so there's a few of us that are here because free Methodism is something that um, we have identified with a long way back. We appreciate the expressions that free Methodism has had in terms of expressing our faith. And so we like um, the, the doctrines and the understandings of God and people and sin and salvation and those things. And so we're here because we agree with the belief system. Others of you are here just because you came here and somebody cared about you. You came in here and somebody loved you and was concerned about you. Maybe they prayed with you. Maybe they checked in with you during the week. And you just go, you know, if they care about me that much, I'm going back and maybe they'll help me through another week. Um, that's a great reason to be here. I hope that is true for many, if not all of us. Some of you are here because someone dragged you here. Um, I was going to say because someone drugged you here or drugged you here, but that's my job um, is to put you to sleep and you go, no. Some of you are here because you were dragged here, because your parents brought you, because your spouse nagged you, because your pastor kept calling or something like that. And I'm just going to go to make them happy and keep them quiet for a little bit. That doesn't work, by the way, but we're glad you're here. Some of you are here because you have a heritage and a history with this church, this specific local church. So there's a few of you that could do as good or a better job of reciting the history of Northwest than I could. And you could go back to how this church was started out of the old Crestway Free Methodist Church just on the southeast side of town and how some people felt led by God to come out here on the west side of town where things were growing and new and, and moved out here. In fact, Pastor Roy, Pastor Roy was the pastor at Crestway when Bob and Albertine Rue felt led by God, isn't that right? To come out here, they moved to this side of town and helped start this church. So Pastor Roy could do a way better job than I could at explaining this because he had to let go of two people that he cared a lot about that were part of his congregation to do this. And they did such a good job that then he came here. Eventually, it took him a while and Jean, and we love them. But thank you for that kind of example and diligence and leadership uh, to do that. Well, why are we here on the Northwest, and what are we about? That's what I want to talk about today. Um, and so we're going through this series. I just want to give you a little bit of a path that we're going to go so you understand what's coming next. Last week, we did talk about why we're free Methodists, why we hold together with other people who value these expressions. We live in a day and age where a lot of people think denominations are man-made and um, immaterial and maybe even a hindrance 
but there are expressions that we do together and there's ways that we work together that are really powerful and that's why we keep doing it. Today we're going to talk about this place and us and, and where we are right here in Wichita and why I think that is significant and why I think the Lord has asked us to be here. Next Sunday we're going to talk about why we're worshipers. Why we actually look for God and when we encounter him, why we adore and surrender and things like that. Why we're worshipers. And then the final week, we're going to talk about why we are together. And that the, the bond that we share that brings us together. Why we come together on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and Thursday nights and other times. And why do we check in with each other during the week? And, and why is community so important to us? So that's, that's where we're headed. You know, it could be said that a lot of churches are just another club. They're just another gathering, an organization of people who like to spend time together, like-minded people with common interests. And a lot of clubs and social organizations are people who come from the same social background. And so we could look around and go, you know, this could probably be us. We could just be considered another club. If you look around, we're pretty much all white people. If you look around, we're pretty much middle class, Midwesterners, of course, by virtue of where we were born and grew up, most of us. And we share these common values and we like to spend time together. And it's, it's really comforting just to come together with people like us and do things we like to do. So it's really comforting to come here on a Wednesday night, have a meal together and have kids running around that you can tassel their hair and, and you know, be reminded of the next generation coming along. And we could just let this become a kind of a social club. There have been times in society's history when social clubs were really, really important for maintaining societal cohesion and, and helping people do things together. I grew up in a different society, but it had some common elements with the United States. So in the society where I grew up, we had some clubs that got together, and some of those clubs were really serious, and they did some really impressive things. And the club that impressed me the most were these, was this group that bought... A, a building kind of down the street and around the corner and a couple blocks farther from our house. And in front of their building, there was a beautiful brick building, and in front they had um, a cannon and an airplane. And anytime you throw an airplane around, you get my attention. And so I would ride by there on my bike, and finally one day I asked my dad, I said, why do they have an airplane in front of that building? And he said, that is the moth Club. Has anybody heard of a moth club? Bill, I knew I could count on you. There's a couple of you that know what a moth club is. So a moth club, you don't hear of these much in the United States, but in the British colony, the people who served in the armed forces of the United Kingdom served the queen who were veterans would get together, much like we have a VFW or an American Legion. They had the moth club, and these were guys that had served in the military somewhere in the British Commonwealth and they got together and they had these military pieces out in front of their building and one day I got to go in because I was part of a group of kids that we sang for them at Christmas time. We went down there and we went in and they had all these pictures on the wall of, of old 
probably long forgotten soldiers. And they had swords on the wall, and it was impressive. And we sang Christmas songs to them, and they were very gracious. They gave us gifts. And I asked about it. I thought, this is impressive. This is pretty cool. But really, the, 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 the gist of their getting together was centered around the bar inside the mosque club. They had a bar, and they drank a lot of alcohol there. That's what they did. And they got together, and they reminisced about being in the war and what they'd done and where they'd served and who they'd served with. And that was it. And occasionally they would do service projects around town. Whenever we had a parade, they would march in their uniforms and things like that. And it was just a social club where these guys that had served together liked spending time together. It was relatively harmless and a little bit impressive. Many churches are like that. Relatively harmless and a little bit impressive. And we gather together and we have our own vices. It's food, maybe not alcohol. And, and we do kind things to kids and we might show up out in the community every once in a while and people go, wow, that's impressive, what a neat thing. But if that's all we are, we are no more than a social club and we are missing something because as the body of Christ, we should be some kind of great expression of the acts of God. We should demonstrate that God is doing something powerful right now, right here in Wichita. If we don't, we are probably tending more toward a club and a little farther away from being the body of Christ. And there's things that Christ said that help us, that coach us and guide us toward what it looks like to be his body. And so I'm going to go to Matthew 28. Many of us should be able to just quote this. This is the Great Commission. Christ died. He rose again. He appeared to the disciples. And as he was getting ready to ascend back into heaven, here is his parting word. This is what he says to his followers as he's getting ready to leave. Matthew 28, 17 through 20. When they saw him, they worshipped him which leads us into next week, why we are worshipers. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the present age. I got to tell you, I've read this passage probably thousands of times. And each time I read it, there's something in here that grabs me. This is a command of God to be about his work. And we miss that. We start to do other things and other things become important and we miss out on what God really wants. And so I want us to come back to that a little bit. A couple of years ago, I was challenged to do this by one of our bishops, one of our overseers in our church, and he challenged me to do this with our congregation here. So I led our leadership team through this and we looked at four areas to help us get back on, are we on track to know that we are doing the things that God really wanted the church to do. This is what really defines us as the body of Christ and not just a social club. And so we looked at these four things. And I quickly and, and uh, 
sort of uh, without thinking, I've pushed it into an acronym. It was given to me that way called PVMV. Purpose, vision, mission, and values. Last week we talked about what makes us free Methodists and we talked about loving the Lord and loving others as this greatest commandment and the second is like it, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And that pretty much sums up our purpose. I don't think you can get a better purpose than that. And so we wrote things down. And by the way, if you want these in writing, look in your bulletin, the back of your bulletin. Uh, Look on our website. They're there. But here it is. The purpose of the Northwest Free Methodist Church is to love God, love people, and make disciples. So love God and love people, tying on to what we talked about last week, make disciples, this command of God, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and so on. So, that's our purpose. I think that's pretty basic. It's biblical. It's, it's six words. Love God, love people, make disciples. Our vision is a lot more complex. And our vision has to do with what we see, what we, what we envision happening, what it might look like if we did those things here as people at Northwest. So we wrote these things down. We hammered around. It took us several months to talk around these things as to what we really would like to see happen at Northwest, through Northwest, to the world. And so this is what we came up with. We see young people building solid faith investing their lives with courage to make a positive impact in the world. Now, there's a lot in that statement. We see young people building faith with courage to impact the world. And so, in that, part of our vision is focused on those who are younger and growing and developing because we recognize that the call of God to make disciples doesn't start with those who've turned 21. Let's not make that mistake. For years and years, I heard, I heard it said about me when I was a teenager. I've heard it said about others since then. But I, for years and years, I heard people look at the children and the teens in a church and they say, that is the church of tomorrow. And they use that as a way to initiate some kind of ministry to disciple them. I've walked away from that. I don't agree. That is not the church of tomorrow. That's the church of today. Those young people that are here, whether they are asleep in the seat (laughs) or distracted by a cell phone, they are our church. They're not in preparation for, they're not hoping eventually to make it into the kingdom of God. They're here, they're ours, we claim them, God claims them. They are the church. However, we know that young people still are developing and we are thankful for that and we want to influence them as they develop. So we want to give them opportunities to encounter Jesus, to respond to him, to experience worship, to hear from the Holy Spirit and obey. We want them to have those kind of abilities. That's why we do things on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights with young people. 
It's not about child care. It's about disciple making. Now some of you, now I get that this is my chance to just sort of stop and make a little commercial and Vanessa did not put me up to this. But if you would like to be about making disciples, talk to Vanessa because on Wednesday night she is leading the kids. And these kids have a lot of energy and a little bit of attention and it's wild and fun and they marched around one week and they danced on the, to a song another week in there but the thing that these kids need to learn more than anything else is you can hear the voice of God and you can obey that voice you know what if our kids get that we'll have succeeded will have been quite impressive right So this is part of our vision. That's what we see. That's not all of it. We also say we see believers committed to the cause of Christ, healed from the wound of sin, connected to each other, prepared to serve, involved in the lives of others, and focused on kingdom expansion. This is part of our vision. That's why we, on Thursday nights, have classes where we go, you know what, let's get smarter, wiser, more courageous, bolder in our faith. That's why we have life groups to get together, pray for each other, because we want to be more committed, we want to be healed, we want to be connected, prepared, and involved in the kingdom of God. And so, here at Northwest, it's important for us not to just say, I think I've arrived. I think I'm safe in the kingdom of God. I think I'm going to heaven now. But it's more important for us to say, what does God want me to do now? What does he want me to become next? And so we want to be about a journey that is building and growing us together. The next piece of our vision is this. We see leaders passionate to share their faith trained for service, creative in the endeavor, adaptable in the hands of God, mature in formation, vision-empowered, and accountable to one another. Boy, there's a lot of stuff in there, isn't it? But that took us months to walk through that and put every little piece in that we thought would cover our bases. But we want to see leaders that look like this. If we can develop leaders that look like this, our church will never lack for people to help out. It'll never lack for people who know where we should go. And I'm thankful for the leaders we have. Trust me, I have a a, a tremendous leadership team to work with. So I'm just going to stop here for a moment. If you're on our leadership team, stand, please. Karen's out in the foyer, but she'd be standing too if she were out there. You guys, these people are amazing. And they meet with me every month. You guys can sit down. Thank you. They meet with me every month. We pray for you. We ask God for all kinds of discernment because we face decisions that oftentimes we just feel like, I I don't know what to do here. And um, we listen. These people are listening to you. So if you go, hey, I want you to know what's going on. These are people you can talk to in addition to me. You don't have to just wait until I'm freed up. You can talk to these people 
They are your leadership team. They're not the only ones that lead around here. That wouldn't be right, and it wouldn't get us very far. So we have others that help in leadership around here. And so there's areas of leadership. I'm just going to cover a few of these real quick so some of you know. We have a finance team, a stewardship team. They help oversee our money and make sure the bills are paid and, and IRS is happy and things like that. So finance team, stand up real quick. We've got a couple of you. JC ducked out, didn't she? She got done singing and went to the buffet. Oh, no, she's at the back. I'm going to over for that. JC and Gordon are back here. Jared's not able to be here with us today. And Karen, again, is outside. But these five, the five of us, we serve as your finance team. We need a lot of prayer because we know that God calls us to something that is far bigger than the financial resources we have. And I am really grateful for that. It's not as though God says, here, here's 100 bucks. That's, you know, as soon as you do what you can do with 100 bucks, your job for the kingdom is over. Your work for God is done. No, God has given us way more vision than he's given us finance, and so their job is always a little bit frustrating, but they are good at it. And uh, I'm thankful for them. We have teams of people that work with children and young people. Um, I would ask them to stand, but some of them are in the nursery. Some of them are in here. Yep. Waving a hand, I do. That's leadership. Anytime you are saying something to someone and you expect them to follow, it's leadership. Whether it's a kid, an infant, or a teen, it doesn't matter. So I'm thankful for Linnea's not able to be here today. I think she'll be coming in a little bit late. Um, but she leads our teens along with some other adult helpers. Vanessa's leading 252 Kids. Janice Nelson is leading our children's church on Sunday morning. Elizabeth and some others are the ones providing leadership for our nursery. And we could go on and on. There are those who lead by making sure the property is maintained, that things are repaired, lawn is mowed. There are those that lead in very uh, selfless ways who are servants who make sure that carpet gets vacuumed and kitchen gets cleaned and bathrooms look appropriate. There's always ways to tie in, but we want leaders to be focused on these things. Sharing their faith, trained for service, creative, adaptable, mature, and vision-empowered. Then there's this piece. We see this church developing more leaders right here to bring the kingdom of God all over the world. See, here's the thing. If we were just saying we need leaders, we need to develop leaders because we want to have a children's ministry, teen ministry, we want to work with the homeless, and we want to work with the poor, and we would like to have great property and things like that. That would be great. That would be fine. But we also still run that risk of just being kind of a social club because we're inwardly focused. So we want to see the leaders who are developed and trained and sent out. So recently I was reading with, with uh, my, my class that I teach on Thursday nights, and I was reading to them about Paul and Barnabas. And I've always been really fascinated with the story of Paul and Barnabas. There's lots of little facets to it. But Paul and Barnabas, they'd moved up to Antioch because there was a new church there, and they gathered with the church there. And then this weird thing happens where the Holy Spirit just speaks to the people there. It doesn't say 
the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul or to Barnabas. It says the Spirit moved among them and told them to separate out two of them to go. And so they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them. And of course, we know, if you know the book of Acts from there, Paul and Barnabas start their first missionary journey and they go and they start churches all over the Mediterranean and they come back and they do a second missionary journey and so on. And, and the gospel just takes off like fire. You see, if it were just about what we are doing here to maintain what is here, we would not be doing enough. And so we want to develop leaders who will bring the kingdom of God all over the world. And so some of you have gone outside of the United States. Some of you have gone outside of Wichita. Sometimes that has been going to help where a tornado hit. Or at a time it's been going to help at a homeless shelter in Texas. There's something really important about going. And our church has a wonderful, rich history of helping other churches around us. So I was reminded of this this week. I got to talking about one of our former pastors, Joe Mitchell. And when Joe Mitchell pastored this church, it was over on Mays Road, and he and I were visiting together. I was pastoring way out in western Kansas, almost at the Colorado State Line. And the church I was pastoring at the time, we were doing a building project. We were building on to our fellowship hall, and we had gotten most of the way through and we were ready to, we were hanging drywall, and we needed to finish drywall. And Joe Mitchell called me up, and he said, you need help? And I said, I always need help. And uh, he said, I'll come out and help you guys. So he came, and he stayed with us for about a week. Now, chances are, very few of you were in the congregation when he did that. But he took a week off from Northwest came to us, stayed with Kayleen and I, and every morning we got up early and we went and we taped and mudded drywall. And he helped that church because Northwest was willing to do that. In more recent years, we've helped out in places like Pratt, like Kansas City, like Maxville, like Emporia. Some of you have gone and filled the pulpit and preached. Some of you have gone, uh, I forgot, in, uh, Omaha. Some of you have gone and you've repaired and remodeled buildings. We are not isolated, nor do we want to be isolated. We want to reach out and provide leadership to others in the kingdom and those outside the kingdom to draw all people to Christ. And that's a part of who we are. And so from time to time around here, we're going to say, hey, let's go somewhere and do something. Not just about, hey, let's come, but let's go. That's our vision. So if that's our vision, I want to just really quickly run through what our mission is. You see, our mission then follows our vision. Our mission is to raise children and young people to love, honor, and serve Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Our mission is to welcome young adults and provide us a place for spiritual transformation. That's part of our mission now, our mission statement. 
One of the reasons, I'm going to pause here, one of the reasons that has become so important to us is because in our society in the United States, there's this huge chasm, there's this gap where people come to church through high school, they go to youth group, they hit 18, they graduate high school, they head off to college, and in that gap, churches don't see them again until they are married and have kids and come back back usually in their late 20s to early 30s because they want their children to have a foundation of faith and there's this gap there's this chasm that happens in our culture and there's there's all kinds of things that contribute to it there's there's adolescent development things that contribute to it there's societal things that contribute to it but i want to tell you that there are very few churches that do a good job of this and we may be one of them But we're at least going to pay attention to it. We're at least going to try to do something about it. A couple of years ago, I was talking to my daughter, Linnea, and she had connected with a small group that was attached to another church here in town because that was a small group of young adults. And she got excited because she said, you know, these are people my age, they're getting together, they're talking about Jesus, and they're praying together. That's great. And so then she came back one night and she said, you know, Dad, they're having a gathering. This is a large church. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But it's a large church in our town, way bigger than our church. And she said, you know, all the groups, all the small groups of young adults are getting together for a big event. So I'm going to go. This ought to be really exciting. And meet with other young adults who are like me. And so we said, that's great. Go have a good time, hon. She came home, and she was downcast, and she was, I said, wasn't a good time? What happened? She goes, you know, Dad, that church, they have over 3,000 people in that church. They're a little bigger than we are. Over 3,000 people in that church. And she said, all of their young adults got together for one event, and there were 30 people there. 1%. 1%. I recently sent a letter to every young adult that is connected to our church in any way. I sent out 19 letters. I'm going to keep sending them letters and I'm going to keep talking to them because I think they belong here. I think we need to provide this kind of a place where they are welcomed, they are transformed by the power of God. Pray with me about that, would you? Because this is hard. We are fighting against societal forces that are strong. And we want to love and care for these young adults. I I know that not everyone here has had a chance to meet them, but Jacob and Abby Cronin are here today, and Jacob was with me recently. We talked through these things, and you're going to hear more from him about young adults and how to reach them and what they're going to do together. So love you guys. Our mission then is also to build relationships because here's the thing, there isn't a program we can put on, we cannot be impressive enough, we cannot spend enough money to draw people to Jesus, but we can build relationships that will do that. We can build relationships through gathering in homes and other locations for prayer, encouragement, study, and motivation. Our relationships with others will do more to share the cause of Christ and the love of Christ than any billboard than any TV program, than any website. It's how we relate to others that will draw them to Jesus. 
Our mission then is to train leaders to guide the church, influence the community, and lead others to Christ. I'm gonna, I know I'm rushing through these, a lot of words. But the question then is, if that's our vision, and this is our mission, how are we going to get there? How in the world do we go from being the northwest of today to the northwest that God wants us to be next year, in two years, in five years, in ten years, the northwest that God wants here after I'm dead and gone? How are we going to get there? Well, we're going to get there by our core values. And here they are. These are the ones we wrote down. We did a little work on this and talk this through. And this is what we came up. We think this is what will motivate us to get there. Our first value is we value proclaiming the truth of Scripture. We don't see the truth of Scripture as something that is harsh, judgmental, something that should be used to abuse others. We see the truth of Scripture as something that frees us, that gives us hope, that gives us the opportunity to love a God who engages us, who died for us. Scripture doesn't scare us. It gives us life. Okay? Our other, value, our other values are these. We offer the fellowship of God's family. We value fellowship, and so we're going to offer that to anybody who comes in here. And you guys are really good at this. You're really good at this one. I, I see when someone comes in the door and you say, hey, would you like a cup of coffee? Sit down and talk to us. Come in and eat with us. On Wednesday nights, it's frequent that there are people coming in to see Sid Mead. They have, a, they have an appointment with him as a counselor and a therapist. And I hear you guys, and I do it too. They're walking through and we might say, have you had supper? Sit with us. We offer fellowship. We should offer that. And it shouldn't just be that we offer it formally because we had it in the bulletin and it's here at the church. We should offer fellowship out of our homes. We should offer fellowship wherever we encounter people in our society. We should encounter anyone. I want to tell you a quick story about this because this story just moved me deeply. A couple years ago, Gordon Johnson and I were having lunch at a, at a restaurant here in town. And we were sitting there talking together, and somehow our server, she got on to asking us what we did. And so, you know, I'm the more impressive one, and I can say, I'm a pastor up the road at this, you know. And then Gordon says, well, I work for Rainbows United, and in that moment, what I did mattered not one iota. It didn't matter at all, because she said, Rainbows United... My sister went there. I took her there. And she began to tell us the story of a sister who was developmentally disabled and how her family was broken. But Rainbows United helped them out. And Gordon responded in the best way. He goes, I love hearing that. That's why we're here. And we shared her story together. And in that moment, what was most important to me was here was a woman who was a complete stranger to us, but in that moment was connected to us somehow. And we had an ongoing conversation, and I think we went back once or twice, didn't we, Gordon, to try and connect back with her again? Because we offer fellowship. Some of you do that in other ways. It's at the coffee shop. It's getting your hair done. Wherever it might be, you carry the fellowship of our church wherever you go. Please do that. God wants that. 
Our next value is we gather for worship and adoration of God. And we're going to unpack this more next week. And just how pervasive worship should be in our lives. So I'll hold that in abeyance. But you're here this morning, you get it. We value that we grow in community with each other. We grow in community with each other. I'm not the same pastor I was nine and a half years ago when I came here because I've been around you guys. It's all your fault. You are not the same people you were when you showed up here. And I hope for every one of us that means we are better, we are stronger, we are wiser, we are more compassionate because we have been together. You know, Scripture tells us that we sharpen each other like iron sharpening iron. We need the fellowship of community. We need to grow in community in order to be better and better believers in the Lord. That's why I think it's pretty important, really important, for you to be connected in a life group, in a study group, in a serving somewhere in our church because you need to be spending time in community with each other. Our next value We want to live lives that are saturated with prayer. I value prayer because I found that there are times in my ministry it's the only thing I know how to do. Some of you have been there too. Times in your family life, at your job, it's the only thing you know to do is to pray about it. But prayer is powerful. It's not a last-ditch effort. It is our best effort. There is something incredibly powerful about a person who goes to God in prayer. There's something even more powerful about people who gather in prayer. There's a small group of us. There's not a lot. But there's a small group of us at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. We gather right up here at the front. We read through Scripture. We read prayers together. And then we go through and we name people who are hurting, who are facing challenges, who are lost. And we say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. There are some of you that shoot an email to Stephanie or to me and say, please pray because this is what's going on and it goes out of our prayer chain. People get an email and say, please pray because this is not good. There are people who walk into our church in distress and I have, I have been there to hear when others say, well, let's pray. I don't want us to be people who pray for others. I want us to be people who pray with others. And you know the difference. We just stop and we pray. There are times I do not know what to do, but I serve a God who knows exactly what to do. And so do you. And so let us Invite him into every area of ministry in this church through our prayers. We value that we give encouragement to those who are discouraged. I really value this, and I'll tell you why. Last year, in the fall, I was really discouraged. Some of you noticed it. Some of you said things to me about it. I mean, I was really down. And there, there were some of you, you know who you are, who came to me and said, do not give up. God is doing great things. 
and I owe you more than I could pay. But here's the thing. I know that some of you, that's where you are today. And so I weathered that season, and I, I, did, I did more than weather it. The Lord led me through it with the help of some of you and some really, really good, wise people. But, you know, we all get discouraged. Life throws things at us that, that we cannot dodge and duck. And it's really important to me that if someone comes in here and they are downcast, they find people who say, it won't stay that way. So we need to be people who encourage each other relentlessly. We live in a world that will tear you apart relentlessly. And so let us encourage one another. Paul says, let us encourage one another all the more as the day approaches. And then this was our final one. And this one surprised me. But this is one of our values. This came up as one of our values. We value that we will foster innovation to connect the gospel with lives, with the lives of those around us. That means we're going to try different things. And we've done that. I mean, we had a car show. We have a fall festival that will, that will be going on very soon. And, and Chris All would like me to mention that. We've had a pancake breakfast here and had people walk in just because they saw a sign and were hungry for pancakes. This week we get to tell them to go to IHOP. They'll feed you. But we want to be innovative and finding new ways to engage people that are just going to cruise right on by our church that we might grab their attention and say, come and find Jesus. So we will foster innovation. If one of you come to me now and say, I have an idea, I will not say... I don't want to hear it until I've heard it. I want to hear it because if it's innovative and I think it'll work, we'll probably try it. We'll probably consider it because we will innovate in order to connect the gospel. That's what we do. That means for us here at Northwest, we are uniquely deployed. You know, Life Church is right over here. Uh, what's it? Midland Baptist is up on the other side of 96, pathways down that direction. There's all kinds of churches around us here, but none of them are us. None of them do quite what we do. None of them have you, and none of them have me. And so here's the thing we are uniquely deployed, and we are uniquely deployed because of what we have. We have a vision from the past that led Pastor Roy and Gene to lay hands on Bob and Albertine Rue. You probably literally did that, didn't you, Roy? And prayed for them to come to the west side of Wichita because it's a mission field. That's a vision from the past. That's a vision we cannot let go of. They heard from God and we need to take it seriously. We have a vision from the present. All that stuff I just led you through two years ago, our leadership team processed that for a long time. We prayed over that. We labored over that. And we came out with something that honestly I came away looking at, at that going, man, if we do this, it will be amazing. So we have a vision that comes from our present. But we have a vision for the future. We have a vision to see what God will do in Wichita through this church, through you and through me.
And so, my friends, that's why we're Northwest. That's why we need to be here. And I invite you to be a part of that with me. I'm going to close with this. It's just a quick shot at the next step. You might be hearing some of this and go, I have not really been a part here. I haven't really been included in all this stuff. Well, there's a chance for you to do that. Next month, we're going to have a membership class on a Saturday. Membership class is just, we go through these things in a little bit more detail, and we talk about what God has called us to do here at Northwest. As free Methodists, as believers in Jesus Christ. And so, I invite you to come. You may say, I'm already a member, but I want to know more. And that's fine. Come and join us. You'll get a free lunch out of it. You may say, I don't think I want to become a member, but I want to hear more. That's fine. You're not obligated. You can come get all that information. You don't have to join, but we would like you to know what we're about. Some of you, you're reaching the point where it's time to step up and say, you can count on me. And so in preparation for that, next month, I'm going to be preaching a message on what it means to be accountable to the community. And so keep that in mind. Pray about that as the Lord leads us there. Band, come back up. Let's, uh, let's sing together as we close.